Welcome to the Untitled Film Project podcast. Let's talk Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. An unlikely group of adventurers, led by a charismatic thief and Chris Pine, go hunting for a long-lost relic until forces that are very powerful get in their way. Me? I'm a, I'm a planner. I make plans. You've already made the plan, so what value do you have now? If uh, the plan fails, the existing plan, I make a new plan. So you make plans that fail? No. He also plays the loot. Holgan, not relevant. Trust me, I'm indispensable. Plus, we'll also answer the big question. And that big question is, what was your favorite board game growing up? Ooh, ooh. I have to wait, don't I? You yes, wait. you have to wait. Yeah. Let's get some initial takes on Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, the role-playing game that has uh, had fans for decades now, uh, had extra resurgence thanks to Stranger Things, and is now a movie. Jeremy Gover, tell me about Dungeons & Dragons. My initial thoughts of Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Oh, God, why is he starting it like this? Because I'm stalling for time. (laughs) Calm down. Uh, (laughs) Like you're padding your essay for school. Yeah. I thought this book was very, 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 very good. Enter, 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 enter. (laughs) Big font. Two inventions. Quadruple spaced. (laughs) (laughs) We got all the tricks. We just gave away all of our tricks. You're welcome, kids. (laughs) <laughs> this is a movie that I expected was going to be garbage. I walked in expecting to be miserable for about two hours, and I walked out pleasantly surprised. Nice. Those are my initial thoughts on Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves, which is a movie in a theater. Are you still working on your review? reviewing on the Untitled Film Project Did you not podcast. come in prepared? <laughs> I came in prepared, Bradford, but they are for the deeper dive, okay. not for the initial take. So therefore, <laughs> I'm stretching, much like the Super Mario Brothers movie did, to fill the time. Wow. I yield my time to whoever wants to go next. I do not want Jeremy to be my dungeon master. <laughs> no problem. Dear God. Okay, similar to Mr. Gover... After seeing the initial preview, the trailer for it, and seeing the the posters, the marketing materials, I was I wanted it to be good, but I expected awful things. I was like, oh, even though I don't play, I really want to play. I really want to play Dungeons and Dragons. I have for a very long time, not just because of Stranger Things, but I've always had this curiosity about it. But I just need to find the right group, someone that can help teach me the ropes and everything. That's why I wanted this to be good and entertaining, and I thought it was going to be crap. And I was very pleasantly surprised, just like Mr. Gover. I had so much fun watching this movie. So much fun. And even though I don't play, based on TikTok, I understand a little bit of the lore, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> and I can appreciate so, many, so much of the humor involved in this. And I went to a, a special screening that AMC had that wasn't a critic screening or anything. It was just basically you had to know about it happening. <laughs> and I got one of the single seats remaining in this. And I appreciated being in there with, you could tell, plenty of D&D fans. And just hearing their reactions to this film is how I knew they did it justice. And they did it right. They made it fun. They made it fantasy. And more than anything else, you could fully envision how the players in this, all the different characters throughout this, were completely screwing with their DM 
the entire time in the movie, which is what happens all the time from what I've seen. That's Dungeon Master, not Direct Message. <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. Okay, Xer. <laughs> this is going to be my deeper dive now. Go ahead. I didn't go on TikTok to, to learn these things, so I appreciate it. But that's what I appreciate was their reactions, and that's where I could tell, too, that even though I was enjoying it, you don't necessarily know how other fans that are deep into the lore that play the game, that want to stay true to the game, how they're always going to feel right. about a movie like this that has so much lore and so much of a connection to that community. And with their reactions, laughing and appreciating things and appreciating the humor behind it and the connections and Easter eggs to previous Dungeons and Dragons material, like the cartoon from the 80s, all those little things hinted to me how much I enjoyed this even more because I know they enjoyed it too. And that's what I really liked about it is that Chris Pine is Chris Pine, but I, but I loved the casting overall. The casting I thought was great. So initial impressions were, I loved this movie, even though I thought I was going to hate it. You know, I, I kind of didn't expect it to be a bad movie because for several weekends before its wide release, they were putting sneak preview screenings in on a weekend where you'd get one on a Saturday night at 7 o'clock, and that would be the only time you could see it all weekend. I think because they knew they had something in this movie that was very satisfying, very fun, and so, you know, I, I think... I probably wasn't expecting to be miserable, but uh, they've created a very fun movie. Chris Pine is so likable, and I think was probably perfectly cast for this movie. Especially the role that he played as a bard. He didn't have to have any magical powers. He wasn't trying to be the action hero. He was literally the kind of comic relief throughout yeah. this. Yeah. And he was the one that people get frustrated with the most as the bard, because what's your magical power is you play the loot. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, is one of the reasons I thought it was going to be garbage. Because in the preview, you know, when you're putting together a preview for a film, right, you got to try to put entertaining pieces in the film to get people to come out to the movie. Okay? Yeah. Right, I get that. So a lot of those pieces are going to be cheesy. A lot of those pieces are going to be trying to be funny. Or a lot of those pieces are going to be overly action-y, usually. Okay? And in the trailer for this movie... Chris Pine is doing some weird dance with a ukulele-looking thing. It's a lute, but I'm saying, and it's he's kind of dancing, and he's just kind. Of, and I was like, this is going to be crap. The like, trailer I, didn't do it justice. No, I don't think. that no, that's yeah. that's what I'm yeah. saying. So I, 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 I think it very much gave off a uh, Guardians of the Galaxy dance-off kind of vibe. When, I was going to say a campy vibe, very campy, sure, and it ended up being just funny, like that that part of the movie. Was uh, I don't want to say very very important part, but it was the role that he was playing was supposed to be that a distraction <laughs> when you got to that scene in the movie. So that's why it fit. But in the trailer, it made it look very campy, and that's why I didn't have high expectations for it was because of the trailer, which is weird because a lot of times the trailer will either ruin it or show too much to where you're not excited about little things that show up, like a cameo. I know we'll talk about. You're in the theater. What did you think of the look of the movie? Uh, what did you feel uh, they did as like an artistic interpretation of something that this game has been played in people's minds over so many years? Uh, what did you think of like the design of the movie, the look of the film? Overall, I thought artistically it was done well. The set design was great. I feel like overall they did it justice to what a player would imagine these worlds to look like and how ridiculous some things would look. Case in point, Jarnathan. 
you have a DM that is probably trying to think of something off the top of their head. That's a name. dungeon master, not direct message. <laughs> Thank you again. <laughs> You're serving a certain segment of our audience and me by explaining everything. That's why I'm doing that. Go ahead. He's not serving. (laughs) (laughs) Finish your thought. The weirdness behind so much of this, to me, I can see a group of people, nerds, because I am a nerd, so I can say that term with love. I always use it with love. Of nerds sitting around a table, completely screwing with each other and messing with each other. It's like, I got to come up with a name. Uh, Not Jonathan. Jonathan, <laughs> and it's like the delay that that Chris Pine's character is putting in this. Like, can't can't we just wait for Jonathan to show up? I can just see people around a table completely coming up with this stuff and having a ball with it as they're completely screwing with their dungeon master. <laughs> Thank you. Throughout this, those little things right there is what I enjoyed the look of it because. Again, on TikTok, what I saw with that Jonathan character, this big, huge, winged fellow that's a bird, that was a practical effect. That was not CGI. That was an actual, full-on, puppeteered costume. Wow. Which made me appreciate that so much more that it wasn't all CGI. But more than anything, what I really enjoyed, too, is the little looks of things like we got our gelatinous cube. And what happens in a gelatinous cube? People Things start rotting and dying, and they have to sacrifice themselves in a gelatinous cube to escape the maze that they're in. All those little tidbits of design in this made me feel like I was entering a different world, which I loved. Kind of like, I want to say it's like Lord of the Rings, but similar to Lord of the Rings, how they how you envision that when you're reading mm-hmm. it, yeah. and then the world comes to life. I feel like this was a world come to life of the writers. And that's what it needed to be, because the writers would be serving as... The dungeon master in this case right, of right. telling the story and what's going on here that the world that they built through this. I love the look of it. I really like how it was shot. The CGI effects I thought were better than some of these Marvel and DC movies that we've seen. You could tell they took some time to edit this properly. The dragons and things like that. I thought Amen. it was a lot of fun. So overall, I really appreciate the time they put into this again. Pleasantly surprised with what this movie was. And I think it's going to become one of those cult classic things that's going to continue to gain momentum as people continue to talk about it. I think it's really neat that a movie uh, can mirror what the gameplay was, which was, okay, there is what's happening in the game and in that that world, right? But there's the second world of the people at the table right. playing, and like you said, messing with each other uh, and, and having fun with it. And I think the movie works on this same type of duality, and uh, that's hard to do. I think they did it pretty good. They did, and there was plenty of balance with the humor. And that's the thing, too, is Dungeons & Dragons is not fully serious all the time. It's friends that are getting together and having fun when they're playing. And you saw this in the Speak to the Dead. Oh, my God. I, 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 It was almost drawn out, but I was fine with it because it was freaking hilarious when they're at this battlefield and speaking to dead people and not understanding that any single question counts as a question. And it's a, it's a bit. <laughs> it is a bit that is so simple. But the way they pulled it off was completely hilarious to me. And I could not stop laughing at this. And the audience couldn't either. And that's how you know they timed it well. And they drew it out just long enough to continue on with the bit. And then they went on to the next thing. And then they ended up being one of the mid-credit scenes. So they're able to tie everything together as well, too. Just I thought the way the movie was put together, overall, they paced it fairly well. I never felt bored. And I think the way that they pieced the acts together as well flowed, flowed very, very well. Casting. Overall, the casting in this, I really enjoyed the casting. Hugh Grant playing a villain. 
Yeah. It, it, I'm liking more and more of Hugh Grant's renaissance, per se, of playing this villain type because he plays the evil British dude. <laughs> right. Quite well in this. And we see again uh, another young actress playing in a role here, Gover. What was your thought on the casting of the young one? The harshest critic of child <laughs> actors. Well, again, Chloe Coleman. Tears. We see Chloe Coleman again. Chloe Coleman is awesome. It should not surprise anybody that I am a big Chloe Coleman fan. I loved her in her very small role in 65, and I loved her even more in My Spy. So it was great to see her on screen yet again. And Justice Smith, I love the way he portrays roles, but off camera, he's also still a nerd. Like there's there's the video of that the <laughs> premiere where they're asking him if if he'd roll the d20 with just the twenty sided dice. Just I got that you. one. Just making sure since DM needed clarification, <laughs> and he was so excited to roll that. And then on his TikTok channel as well, all the behind the scenes stuff that he's posting, and you could tell he's very excited and proud of this role. But he plays these roles so well. We've seen it in Jurassic Park, seen it in Pokemon. That he plays these roles very, very well. And I just, I love him as an actor because his comedic timing is fantastic. But I know I can already see it that he's going to get some serious roles as well and is going to do very well at those. I think overall he's a great young actor that's coming into his own. These can be excellent vehicles for a young actor to branch out into other things. I don't 100%. think yeah, anybody's going to get pigeonholed in this, uh, you know, type of movie. And then Reggie Jean Page. From everything I've heard about those types of characters in this game, he played it on point to a T where he was just very brutal to the point and a very good fighter. (laughs) (laughs) And he played it so well because he's so cool. Yeah. He's so cool. And again, it's the casting. The casting directors, I think, did an incredible job with this movie of finding the right fits for this. Michelle Rodriguez is Holga. Yeah. Who else would you get? And then I want to talk about the cameo. I lost it when I saw Bradley Cooper <laughs> waltz right in <laughs> as an itty bitty dude, a hobbit basically, <laughs> and pop up on that chair and try to have a serious conversation. And then, <laughs> and then his next significant other comes in in an awkward moment between <laughs> Holka and her, and he's sitting there kind of twiddling his thumbs. But Bradley Cooper basically playing, I, I loved it. I could not stop laughing because that's what I want. Don't use him in a trailer. And they didn't. Right. Because that made that cameo so much more worth it to see him playing this role that I would never expect Bradley Cooper to cameo like that. Are you listening, Marvel? Are you listening, DC? Don't give it all Don't away. Don't give it all give away. Give it to us in the trailer. Because the reaction of the crowd... Because it took a second, because kind of recognizable, but you could tell they had to do some CGI effects to him. His hair is different, things like that. But as people caught on in my theater, the amount of laughs, so they couldn't even pay attention to the dialogue because the dialogue really wasn't that important. The cameo was the important part of this, and it hit so well because we didn't know it was coming. (laughs) So important with trailers. Don't spoil it. Don't sell it. That's not the selling point. The selling point is the rest of the film. The payoff is you get to experience something cool that's a surprise to you. That's what cameos are supposed to be, Marvel. Yes. DC. <laughs> DC even more. Just all that to say is great job on making the trailer be crap so we could enjoy the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and Counterintuitive. Like, I mean, it worked out. Right. But if you have a if you have a movie that you know is gonna be pretty good, let word of mouth and you know, people saying, hey, 
you got to come see this movie. Yeah. Be your advertising. I don't know Dungeons and Dragons, okay? I've never played Dungeons and Dragons. All Same. I know is it's a game. I know that there are dice involved. And I know about the gelatinous cube because it was a Funko Pop. So I don't know <laughs> much about it. And that is the responsibility of the filmmakers, right? Is to not just appeal to the people who know about the game. You can't right. just be, okay, the, all these people are going to know about it. Now we can assume we don't need to educate. The responsibility that you have is to the people who don't know about it. You have to educate them. I am that person. Yeah. I was so, too. You, that's a, I have very small access points to this yes. to this history of Dungeons and Dragons. Yes, and so I think they did that. Now, again, I can't speak that with authority because I don't know the game very well. But I can say that when I left the theater, I wasn't like, "Oh, I want to go play the game." But I was like, "Okay, I think I understood what happened here. I think I understood that this weapon shows up and then allows them to go this route or this thing." happens because it's a creature and that became from this magic that was so i think i've i think i got it and isn't that i think what a dungeons and dragons super fan wants is i think if you've got something like this they want you the non-fan to understand why we love it so much i would hope that would be the case yes but my main issues are not in the Dungeons and Dragons lore, my main issue is Michelle Rodriguez cannot act. And no, it, she's she's Michelle Rodriguez in every movie, but that's why she's playing a barbarian because it's supposed to be pretty stoic and not acting. I understand that, but it's just how does she keep landing these big movies? You guys, uh, I get the Fast and the Furious movies because it's a series, and she keeps and they're awful back, movies, but, right? Yeah, but yeah. look, more power to her. Okay, for making a career, I understand it's. Hollywood's a very, very yes. hard business to stay in, okay? But she's not good, and I don't understand why <laughs> I know. she keeps landing these co-starring roles. There has to be better people out there losing jobs to her. Thank you. That is a perfect way to say it. I don't understand how she keeps landing these roles. So Michelle Rodriguez is a big problem for me. Now, <laughs> she did an adequate job with this role because of what it called for, but there, there is heart in this movie, and it didn't. She didn't. I mean, it's just leaves so much to be desired. I don't get it. I don't get it. On the other hand, Chris Pine surprised me. I loved him as Captain Kirk, and the evil cult leader in Don't Worry, Darling. Mm -hmm. But he was a caricature of himself in this, which is exactly what the film called for. Mm -hmm. So I thought he played it extremely well, and. The graveyard scene, Bradford, you totally stole my thunder on that. That was hilarious. <laughs> easily, easily, hands down, the best part of the movie. That's fair. I'll give you that. Because it was. It was very well done. So Perfect comedic timing. Funny. I've talked about this before. When it's predictable, I usually don't care for it. But I knew when he asked, I, it was the 11th hour, but I knew when he asked that first question and they said it was five questions, I was like, he's going to have a throwaway question here and he's going to be the joke. And it still got me. Oh, yeah. And that's how you know it's good. <laughs> when I can predict it, and, and it's, it's so still funny. hilarious. Uh -huh. That is the mark of a true good comedic element. Which would make me love to see the bloopers with some of these things. Like, this is a type of movie, too, that I'm sure has plenty of great bloopers. Yeah. Because of the ridiculousness of some of the things they had to film. Yeah. You're going to want the digital extras. Like, yes. Like, Jonathan coming in and then him tackling him through the window. 
And then at the very end, Hugh Grant's character fits, uh, whatever it is, trying to tackle him and it's a brick wall. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Those little things like that is predictable things, but still hilarious to me. And that's, again, a sign of how they did it so well when you can predict what's going, you know what's going to happen, and they still pull it off and it's hilarious and you laugh out loud. I think it's like the, it's like a star athlete. The entire other team knows what this star athlete's going to do, and they've done everything they can to try to stop (laughs) that star athlete, do what he does best or she does best, and they still do it. Then you have something really remarkable. So the same thing with comedy. If you know it's coming and it still makes you laugh, you've really done a perfect job. Could not agree more. And last, my last note here that I didn't want to get to because it doesn't really fit in the scores. I just want to talk about it. Is the hither tither stick? <laughs> that is one of the greatest <laughs> weapons. If it's, is it even a weapon? It's not a tool, I guess. Probably it's a tool. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of the sh- that shrapnel grenade thing in Eraser. Mm-hmm. It's in my top five tool slash weapons of all time in film. <laughs> it was awesome. And it's I, I understand it's probably a card or whatever in D and D like in the actual game right where you get yeah. to do that but the way they used it they found a way to animate it perfect the special effects were great the idea of how to do things well, and the challenge behind it as yes. well when the mirror fell yes so awesome so hither to the stick a plus so when we go in your house and then we pull that one book off the shelf that reveals the secret room full of weapons it's in there. As is the shrapnel grenade from Eraser. <laughs> yes. All right, it's time to score Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Let's start with Jeremy K. Gover. Gelatinous cube! <laughs> That's, That's a cube that is gelatinous. <laughs> Thanks for uh, telling the, me. The, look, again, the only reason I know that is because it's a Funko Pop, but there's actually more to it. So it's the only Funko Pop that I know of, the four-inch standard Funko Pop size, that came in a bigger box because it's a cube. It's not a rectangle, right? So because of that, I noticed it in 2020 when it dropped, okay? So here we are, 2023, Dungeons & Dragons comes out, and they jump in this cube, and I'm like, I get that. I know that. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the (laughs) gelatinous cube. You have the the happy dog tippy taps. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Over a gelatinous cube. I guarantee you, I don't see this movie if I'm not a critic, because the trailer was so bad. I know we're not scoring the trailer. I'm simply saying that the trailer did not do it any favors. But, but even if word of mouth, would you have eventually seen? I don't know. Word if, of mouth? I don't. Other than you guys, I don't know of anybody of my friend circle who would be like, "I gotta go see Dungeons and Dragons." I just don't know if that would. That's have why you have me, because I would have seen this no matter what. Well, that's okay. Well, you are my best friend, so. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I I did go see it, and again, I'm pleasantly surprised. I'm I'm happy I did go see it. Right, and my son wanted to see it. I'd take him. That's fine. But I would not have seen this were it not for this show. Because you suck. Okay. <laughs> Sophia Lillis is gorgeous. That's the comment. Obvious overdubs in the early part of the film. Didn't care for that. Again, there's this movie making things where they, they're shooting it over shoulder, looking at the person not talking, and his jaw is about three words behind of what he's actually saying. <laughs> Those kind of things really piss me off. Because it's like you could do so much better than that. But that being said, it's that's a nitpicky thing. I'm not going to you know really deduct the movie for that. To me, it was a fun time out at the theater, but still nothing special. 6.5. I would say going into this movie with 
very little Dungeons and Dragons knowledge. I mean, just I knew that entire fan base was out there. I, I you know, have passing references to it in other vehicles and other, you know, entertainment. So for me, going to this movie was kind of like, say you start dating somebody and then they say, I'd like you to come with me to my office Christmas party, okay? Because I'm going to go there, and I'm not going to know anything, and I'm not going to know anybody, and they're all going to have inside jokes. And then you get to the party, and it's full of charming people that all of a sudden (laughs) you're engaging in conversations, you're having a good time. That's what I get from this movie, Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, was the movie that just charmed me. It, it charmed me and did it in a way that uh, I never expected, even though I'd heard it was getting good reviews. I'm like, mm, but is it just fans, super fans? Uh, so I, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give this movie a seven. Bradford. All right. Especially because I was not expecting it to be good and I was pleasantly surprised. I just, I love this film so much and I cannot wait till it comes out on streaming availability because I cannot wait for the creative TikToks that are going to come out because it strikes such a big community of nerds that have played this and love the lore here and have been waiting for a movie of this caliber yep. to come out from something that they love. Because they got another one. Oh. And it was awful. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've been waiting. Been wa- this community has been waiting, just like, say, Super Mario Brothers. have been waiting for a movie to come out that feels like represents them and the nostalgia behind it and the lore and appreciates the writing behind it as well, which is why I think they knocked it out of the park with this because when you see a score of 90, 94% where people agree this is a really good movie, it's a fun movie, they did it right, they portrayed everything right, they they hit the humor perfectly while also having some heart, some action, fantasy, you're hitting so many great marks on this and then having some liberties with things as well from what I've read, liberties like with the owlbear and things like that. But people can accept it and appreciate it. It means overall the writers and the directors and the actors overall did a really good job of pulling off what they're trying to accomplish. And that's what I can appreciate and enjoy about this. And that for me, I've seen now 14 movies in the theaters this year. I would put this in top two for me. Whoa. Uh, okay. It's plain. <laughs> okay. You're right. So you you're right with the extreme. Operation yeah. Fortune. The bar is a little 65, low. 65. Shazam. Okay. You're starting off with some crap. I am, but I'm saying, I know we're only four months into the year. But I'm going ahead and putting this up there for now. Is it going to stay there? Probably not. No, right, right. But but overall, just maybe one casting aside, I thought it was cast really, really well. It was great chemistry, just great humor overall, too. I love the music behind it. I give it an eight. Very good. But I'm just saying that is the level of how much I was entertained and how much I enjoyed this movie. That's fair. Especially because I wasn't expecting it. It surprised me in the best way possible that I want to see it again and again and own the movie and be like, you know what? I want a fun time tonight and I know I'm going to enjoy watching it again and hopefully I can start playing this game soon and appreciate it even more. I'm going to turn it on. It's that kind of movie for me that it feels like I feel comfort in it. It's gonna be with a warm nerd. Com- it's your blankie. It's gonna be a blankie because I feel nerd <laughs> comfort. Yeah. Like sometimes I'll turn on Lord of the Rings, I'll just watch the entire trilogy because I want nerd comfort for a few days. I'll put on the director's cut, <laughs> extended edition, and then I'm set for four oh days. Wow. <laughs> At four days? You got it in, in four? <laughs> you have to do what you have to do sometimes, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 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 
So when we get together for the Untitled Film Project podcast, we always like to ask the big question. Something outside the movie, but maybe sometimes related. And this week? This week it is, based on what we were talking about, what's your, what's your favorite board game growing up? What's the nostalgia there? What, what do you enjoy playing so much when you were growing up? Let's start with Justin Bradford. No, oh, okay. I'll go ahead and start. Answer your own question. So you could, you could easily go the sorry route. Simple, basic, mm-hmm. fun board game. Played that a lot with my family growing up. But I hope some people will remember this game, even though it still is out, but I just don't hear it talked about as much. And it's This Game is Bonkers. Have either I, of you played that I, game? No, I have no, not. I have no idea what you're talking about. It's a about. game from Milton Bradley. So very popular sure. board game maker. And what I remember most is that if you have, say, at least four players, you are pulling up different cards and you're laying these cards with your actions on the tiles. The further along the game goes, the more quote unquote bonkers it gets because every time somebody lands on these cards, you have to do exactly with your piece what those cards say. And your turn could continue to last if you keep on hitting these different action cards and are pulling you all over the board to where you have no idea what's going to happen next. If it's two players, it's very boring. You need at least four players because you're just setting all these cards that have actions on them. And as a little kid, I thought this game was bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a lot of fun because you, it could literally be like, jump ahead four spaces, you land on that one. Oh, you need to go back three spaces, you land another one, you need to draw two cards, place them down. Oh, you land another one, you need to go ahead five, skip ahead five. It was so much fun because the turn was never very minute. So many things could happen, you could have so much fun, it created a lot of laughs for me. So this game is bonkers, is the nostalgia item for me. Excellent. Well, I'm going to uh, have a runner-up because it occupied a good part of my college time when I should have been studying, is we would get <laughs> together in the dorm and we would play Risk. Okay? Oh. So, uh, you know, we were, we were attacking each other, and we would also, you know, we made up our own rules. <laughs> you know, we had, uh, we had pen caps that everybody had one nuclear missile. There was a, it was just a pen cap, but if you used it, you'd what? I mean, it, and it completely changed the game. And we were just, I mean, a bunch of you know, drunk college kids having a good time. <laughs> I was going to ask, but uh, that that uh, occupied a lot of my time. But I can say, over the course of my life, it is the game of life. I I think I've enjoyed that playing it as a kid, and we still enjoy that game. And there's, you know, something about it. Because it does, like, it, you, know, you have, you know, okay, which track are you going to take? Are you going to go to school? Are you going to go, you know, right to work? But then there's also just, like, I have nostalgia for uh, the mechanism of the game spinning that wheel <laughs> that for my entire life, everybody has known. Like, I think if you took some kid in a foreign country who's five years old, who's never seen anything of the outside world, and you had the game of life in front of him, he would know you have to put a little saliva at that on that wheel to make it spin properly. Mm. <laughs> that, that is it, it's my entire childhood. Okay, who's got some spit in their mouth that we can make this thing spin faster? <laughs> <laughs> uh, naming kids that you're popping into the cars and just laughing about it, having a good time. So I love the game of life. So Jim, I just got to go back to risk. What was your? Did you have a strategy in terms of where you wanted to set up first? <sighs> I was really bad at risk, so I'm just going to tell you right now. Uh, I mean, you've known me, you've seen me play competitive sports. I'm more of a defensive person. I am a responsible person. So, like, I don't have the cojones 
to attack <laughs> properly in Risk. So everything I do was defensive, and it would just let me play a little longer and never win. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Survival. <laughs> Survival. But I had a beer in my hand, and we were having a good time. Jeremy Gover. Before I move on and ask and, and give you my answer, have you played Memoir 44? I have not. Okay. I don't even know the title. Okay. It's, it's a very Risk-like game. Okay. Not over the whole world, but it takes actual World War II battles. Oh, I would like this. And you have pieces that you, and you compete with. It's pretty sweet. So I'm just, just throwing it out. There. I'm checking it out. Yep. Uh, we got it for a friend of ours who loves World War II. My favorite board game growing up is so easy because it's one answer. It's not a runner-up. There's not an honorable mention. It's just one thing, and that's Scrabble. I loved playing Scrabble. Yeah. I've been a writer for as long as I can remember, so it has to do with words, and I pride myself on spelling words correctly and that kind of thing. So Scrabble, being able to not only show off that intelligence, if you will, like in a weird, selfish way. Yeah, vocabulary. Yeah, but also when I learned that you could, that some of the strategy of Scrabble was to build off of other people's words, not just like cat and hat, you know, right? Right. But actually like put like (laughs) cat and hats. And then all of a sudden you get points for both words. Right. Like things like that. Like And then all of a sudden, okay, it's not just S's. Now you can figure out other ways to do it. And yeah. then you can stack words. So then you get all four words that you've made. That just unlocked the strategy for me too. So here I thought I was being smart by having these words that weren't cat and hat. They sure. were something better like bellow and like things like that. Obsequious. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then it's like, well, how can I hold on to that long enough to get a triple word score? And right. you know all these things. And then all of a sudden, it was like, oh, you can actually make two words with one if you make it plural or if you get creative with it. And then, like, instead of hold, it can be a hold. Like that's a word. And so they have a and then about and a hold. And you get points for both of those. So you're leveling up. Yeah, it just unlocked all of that. So Scrabble, without question, is the answer. So Jeremy, do you recall what your highest set would be? In this game, and what word it was? No, because it's been since high school. Unfortunately, okay. I just know if something like that stands in memory. Uh, I know had I, X in it. It was something like <laughs> it was something like quizzes, something like that perfectly. on a triple word score. Yeah. yeah, something like that. But I don't. I couldn't tell you what the point value right. was. Yeah, that's like a bowl in a three hundred game, right there. Yeah. No wonder he loves Wordle and I words with friends Wordle. and all those yep. word games. All right. and did all that Did you know? I have a story about Gover in a, in a word game. No, should, that, I, should I, I tell please that? Tell it, uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, spill the tea. So before Mr. Gover and I know each other that well, uh, there was this game called Words with Friends. Yes, <laughs> that was out oh, there. People oh, would play oh, on their phones. I know it's, wow. yes. What an era! And uh, my my username was not my name on there, and we started a game against each other. And it took him like a day for him to make his play. And <laughs> so my initials are JB, and there was a player on the National Predators whose initials are also JB. And Gover in the chat said, hey, sorry, John, for not making the play. I just made it now. I'm like, who does he think I am? He he thought he was playing with a National Predator whose name was John Blum. I was like, oh, Gover, you're just playing Justin. It's just me. I'm sorry. Because there's a context around this. About a week or two before that, we had John Blum and I had actually had a conversation about words with friends, so it wasn't just out of nowhere. I thought some hockey player was right. Like, was it was it, there was context involved? Like, oh, he pl- he said he played the game. I said I'd played it, 
Next thing I know, I get this request from JB blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, it must be. Because, well, again, we didn't know each other that well yet. So I was like, it must be John. I mean, why wouldn't it be John Blum? <laughs> yeah, what a disappointment me. at the it end. It was quite and- disappointing. <laughs> I'm a disappointment. <laughs> it turned out to be the best decision I ever made, Jim. But at the Aww. time, it was very disappointing. Oh, buddy. <laughs> kind of like when my wife married me. <laughs> Well, we appreciate you spending time with us here on the Untitled Film Project podcast. So what did you think of Dungeons & Dragons? What did you have as your favorite board game? We need to know. Yeah, tweet us. Follow us on Instagram, Untitled Film Project. That's probably how you find us, so go ahead and follow us on all the other channels. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.